Good Thursday, this is Ozarks at Large. Rhett Smith, a University of Arkansas Little Rock economics professor, is conducting research on the impact of medical marijuana legalization on various sectors of American society. Most recently, he found that the presence of medical cannabis dispensaries can reduce local opioid overdose mortality. Smith is also crunching data on how medical cannabis laws affect pharmaceutical marketing to physicians and what role marijuana decriminalization has had so far on fatal traffic accidents. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Broad legalization of medical marijuana in the United States is allowing scholars like Rhett Smith, assistant professor of economics at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock, to measure its effects on society with the aim to better inform federal and state policies. In 2019, he published results of a national investigation on the impact of legally dispensed medical cannabis on illicit heroin and opioid drug use. The 2019 paper is actually an extension of earlier research that started probably in 2015 when I started collecting dispensary data. Um, There's not a national registry of where these medical cannabis dispensaries locate, and a lot of the previous research just looks at state-by-state level law changes. And so where my research differs is that I argue that it's access to the drug that matters. Um, Similar to what we saw in Arkansas, where the law passed in 2016, but we didn't actually see physical dispensaries until 2019. Comparing data, Smith found evidence that the presence of medical marijuana dispensaries reduce opioid overdose rates in those locales. Yes, so we find that there's this, in these areas where these dispensaries open, in those immediate proximities, those counties, um, once those dispensaries opened, we see relative declines in opioid use, heroin use, um, less so with the synthetic opioids such as fentanyl, though. Fentanyl is a powerful prescription synthetic opioid analgesic, similar to morphine, but up to 100 times more potent, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, due to intense restrictions on traditional prescription opioids like OxyContin. Fentanyl is increasingly being mixed into illegal black market drugs, causing a new surge in overdose death rates. In Arkansas, patients with one of 18 qualifying conditions from epilepsy, cancer, MS, to arthritis, consult with a medical marijuana physician to obtain paperwork for a medical marijuana registry card available through the Arkansas Department of Health. Medical cannabis is widely being used by patients given its analgesic effects and its potential to reduce opioid addiction, but Smith says it's not a panacea. So I think this is actually a very complicated question. I think the relationship between cannabis legalization and opioid outcomes is going to differ by opioid. Um, So the initial research that we started with was first looking at the prescription drugs to look at the the people that maybe got stuck on OxyContin, essentially, or got started on OxyContin. And so if we can stop them from using that and they substitute away from that to to marijuana, then there may be that, that relationship between that and prescription opioids. As we continue to add additional years, what literature is finding is that there's that relationship sort of breaks down as we're seeing more overdose deaths that involve things like heroin or more overdose deaths that involve things like fentanyl. Complicating research further is that medical and recreational marijuana increasingly legalized in many states remains a Schedule I controlled substance. 
the Federal Drug Enforcement Administration cites marijuana's high potential for abuse, no currently accepted medical use and treatment in the U.S., and a lack of accepted safety for use under medical supervision. Yet millions of Americans are purchasing medical marijuana, including 80,000 registered patients in Arkansas. But Arkansas remains the most restrictive state when it comes to regulating medical marijuana. Arkansas isn't the most restrictive, but it's definitely one of the more restrictive medicalized states. Um, we saw significant delays between when the law was first voted on and passed and then when actually the market was able to actually form. Compared to states like Oklahoma, where over 8,000 medical marijuana cultivation licenses have been issued with 2,300 dispensaries operating, Arkansas only allows 37 dispensaries to be licensed and eight cultivation facilities to operate. Still, since the first dispensary opened in Arkansas in May 2019, patients have spent $428 million to obtain medical marijuana, generating nearly $50 million in tax revenue. Despite being lucrative and effective, medical marijuana is barred from pharmaceutical marketing, something Rhett Smith is also examining. So we're actually looking at that uh, the relationship there from the pharmaceutical firm perspective that if individuals are substituting away from pharmaceutical drugs to cannabis, then cannabis is essentially as a competitor. And so whether we want to, we're exploring whether the behavior of these pharmaceutical firms and the way they market to doctors is changing as medical cannabis gets legalized. Are they ramping up advertising to doctors to say, hey, don't let your patients switch away from our drugs um, in an effort to preserve market share? Results of that research published this summer available online is titled The Effect of Medical Cannabis Laws on Pharmaceutical Marketing to Physicians. So we looked at opioids individually as well as a more broad class of substitute drugs, and we don't actually see a very large effect of changes in marketing to doctors. And the reason why we, we don't see an effect is that a lot of the changes or substitutions in the cannabis market tends to be more patient-driven. Smith has also examined the impact of medical marijuana decriminalization on traffic crashes, looking at National Highway Traffic Safety Administration data spanning 2010 to 2016. His findings published in the American Journal of Public Health in 2020. So this paper, so the literature on this relationship between medical marijuana legalization and traffic safety actually finds that traffic safety improves following medical cannabis legalization. And so we wanted to understand why. And so we explored this relationship as well as looking at decriminalization laws. And what we find is that, yes, traffic safety improves following medical cannabis legalization, but actually worsens when you just simply decriminalize or depenalize marijuana use. And so what this, this sort of gets at is the mechanism for why medical cannabis may be improving traffic safety. And the reason being that people consume their drugs at home. And so those cannabis consumers aren't traveling. And so if they're not traveling, it becomes very difficult to get in a traffic accident. And so that's the reason why we're seeing these traffic improvements is that travel incentives have changed. Green Cross physicians, those who specialize in improving patients to obtain medical marijuana, are required to advise them to not operate motor vehicles when using the drug, which could account for less car wrecks. I believe that does have something to do with that. Yes, any, any sort of nudges to say, hey, you shouldn't be operating this vehicle under the influence. And I think that, that yes, that does help. Um, but the laws also state that there's, there's not going to be these cannabis equivalent bars, that you have to consume these things in a private residence. Um, and so you can consume the drug, but just do it at home. And so that changes the travel incentives for these consumers. 
Smith is among a pioneering group of scholars who must negotiate numerous obstacles given it's a federally outlawed drug, yet approved by a large majority of states. So my research isn't actually looking at the individual drugs themselves. Um, I essentially use these legalization or these decriminalization changes as these natural experiments. And so we can see how the, the presence of those drugs or the presence of those dispensaries are affecting that community in terms of opioid abuse, in terms of marketing to physicians or traffic safety or crime outcomes, things of that nature. Um, so it hasn't hindered me too much from the, the research perspective. Now, from a medical side, yes, you're exactly right. The, um, the scheduling of this is going to limit how much we know about the actual medical efficacy of this drug. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which has federal authority to approve marijuana for medicinal use, is not expected to do so anytime soon, with the majority of policymakers holding on to archaic claims that cannabis is a gateway to broader drug abuse. As of now, we have 36 states and the District of Columbia have legalized medical marijuana. So a majority of states, a majority of the U.S. population now have access to medical marijuana. So I think it's, it's going to be only a matter of time before um, federal laws start to follow suit. Researchers like Rhett Smith are working hard to shed light on medical marijuana economics, empirical health benefits, as well as adverse effects in the U.S. in advance of national legalization. Essentially, a lot of our policies have been driven by these anecdotes and worst-case scenarios. And so I'm trying to understand how likely are these these un, or these worst case scenarios? Um, and so hopefully what my, my research will do will shed light on what these more aggregate effects would be if these types of policies get implemented at the federal level. I think the biggest impact is going to be from the medical side where instead of being able to, or being extremely restricted on what type of funding can be done for medical aspects or medical, medical understanding, now we can start to actually look at, okay, what ailments is this drug really effective at treating? For now, medical marijuana patients are in the dark about which plant hybrid and what form to consume for their condition unless they do their own research. In Arkansas, dispensary sales clerks are barred from making medical recommendations, and most Arkansas physicians, unless self-taught, lack education about medical marijuana benefits because it remains federally outlawed. Physicians are going to make those decisions based on the information that they have and their knowledge. And so this is where that additional sort of rescheduling where we can learn more about the efficacy of this drug and what ailments they're good at treating, how much they should be using, what types they should be using would really come in handy. Smith says expansion of legal cannabis markets could crowd out illicit markets, leading to widespread decriminalization as long as state-level regulations are in place to prevent diversion, distribution to minors, drugged driving, and violence. This year alone, 10 new U.S. states entered the legal cannabis market, according to New Frontier, which researches and publishes cannabis market trends. The sale of legal cannabis is projected to generate $43 billion by 2025, with an estimated 5.4 million Americans registered as patients. And in states where cannabis remains outlawed for both medical and recreational use, the black market yield is currently estimated to be $65 billion. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich.